welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Tuesday edition for week 25. Uh, today's date, April 4th of 2023. Uh, I'm your host, Carson. First of all, if you tune into our last show, um, hopefully that worked out. I mean, it was a couple days after April Fool's, and so that was a little bit awkward. I was hoping that, you know, I had this idea a couple months prior, Um hoping that April 1st would fall on a weekday and that would make a little bit more sense to do um, that April fool's show. Didn't quite work out. Hopefully it still made sense. Um, basically, if you didn't listen, I attempted to do that whole show as if it was um, April 1st of 2013. So 10 years ago, um, it was a lot of fun. You know, I think that on the whole, we did a pretty good job. The only uh, there's one thing I know for sure that we, messed up on and it's something that was sort of uh out of my control a little bit i mean i could have you know gone to great lengths to make a very small edit um it's something you might not have noticed um i will clarify what that was at the end of the show i'm curious if you can think about it figure out what that was um before i tell you uh you the listener as you're listening to this podcast so uh we'll get to that at the end hopefully i remember to talk about that but um yeah, today we're back. We're we're doing our what we normally do on our Monday show, but we're doing it for real this time, not doing our April Fool stuff. We're actually going to talk about this last weekend. Um, one thing that actually worked out great, even though April 1st did not fall on a weekday, uh, we lucked out with last night being national championship night and the NBA not scheduling any games. Uh, one of the few days of the uh, regular season that there's no game scheduled on a given night. And so we don't have any extra days to get caught up on. So that's a benefit in our factor. We still just have our weekend action Friday through Sunday uh, to talk about. So let's go ahead and get started with that, with our normal five on five drill, along with our six men stuff. Basically, if you're new to the show, instead of recapping every single game from a weekend of action, um, which would take a lot of time, we instead focus on five key games. We call it our five on five drill. Um and then our quote unquote sixth men are those bonus facts from various games that, you know, we didn't talk about the game in detail, but we'd like to point out a certain player's performance or a stat or something of that nature. So um, that being said, let's go and jump into it. Our first game from this last weekend we're going to talk about is the uh, Friday matchup between the New York Knicks and the Cleveland Cavaliers in Cleveland. Uh, the road team, the Knicks, getting the victory here 130 to 116 uh, behind a career high in points from Jalen Brunson. Um, firstly, for the Cavs, though, uh, they had another 40 plus point game from uh, Donovan Mitchell. He's been on a tear lately. Um, he had some great percentages all around. He was six of nine from three point range. He was nearly 70% from the floor, 42 points uh, to end the game, along with five assists, four rebounds, uh, you know, good support for him as well. In this game, Darius Garland, 20 points, nine assists, uh, 14 points each for Evan Mobley and Chaddy Osman and 15 points for Karis Levert starting. Um, of course, they're without Jarrett Allen. Still, he's been dealing with some injury troubles in recent weeks. Um, however, um, for the Knicks, Jalen Brunson, an even better game than Donovan Mitchell. 48 points for him with nine assists um, and some pretty great percentages in, in his own right. Um, and the rest of the starters all scored in double figures, 14 points each for a trio of players. R.J. Barrett, uh, Quentin Grimes, and Emmanuel Quickly. Quickly's 14 coming off the bench. They also got 12 points for Obi Toppin, who started in this game. 
10 points, 14 rebounds, two steals, and two blocks for Mitchell Robinson, uh, doing kind of a little bit of everything on the floor that night. And 11 points, seven rebounds for Josh Hart coming off the bench. Uh, Julius Randle did not play in this game, unfortunately, but the Knicks still able to get it done on the road in his absence. So that's good for them uh, to be able to get that kind of a win. And, uh, you know, Cleveland had a good lead in the first quarter, early second quarter. Knicks retook the lead and then they uh, never really looked back. And especially in the fourth quarter, they had a great run, uh, really kind of sealed the deal. And so great win for the Knicks. And that's our first game we're going to talk about. Next, uh, our second game also comes from Friday night. The um, Los Angeles Lakers winning at uh, in Minnesota against the Timberwolves, 123 to 111. Uh, as Anthony Davis has a strong game and strong game, excuse me. Uh, apparently I'm you know, going through puberty right now, voice cracks, but um, yeah, Anthony Davis, big game. Uh, and that was the first time all season uh, the Lakers had been above 500, meaning they would add more wins and losses. And so uh, they've been on a great push, you know, with and without LeBron James, uh, they've experienced both in recent months and uh, credit to them. You know, this, I, I've talked about it at various points, this season feels like the antithesis of last season. As far as last season, Lakers, you know, they had a lot of talent and people liked them as a postseason pick before the season started. And then as the season went on, the the outlook and the picture just got worse and worse. And then eventually they didn't make the playoffs at all. This season, they had a really tough start and there were doubts already. You know, people were not going to be sold on the roster before the season began. But um, they've really fought back and credit to them. They've retooled their roster. Um, I like their roster a lot more this season compared to last season. Anthony Davis has really bounced back in a big way compared to previous seasons, Um, despite even missing some games this season with injury, too. He's had a stellar season all round, I would say. Um, And yeah, tough game, back and forth game, five lead changes. But uh, some of those leads were big. Minnesota led uh, by, you know, 12, 13 points at the beginning of the third quarter. But the Lakers, you know, never really backed down. They swiftly retook the lead towards the end of the third and they controlled the game for the rest of the way. So, again, a big win for them. For the Timberwolves home team, they had six players in double figures being led by Mike Conley's 25 points, seven assists and three steals. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, 23 points and eight rebounds. Great to see him back in the lineup. Uh, 15 points for Jane McDaniels, 14 points and 11 rebounds for Rudy Gobert and uh, 17 points off the bench for Kyle Anderson. Anthony Edwards only eight, uh, 11 points in this game. We know for the Lakers, we mentioned Anthony Davis, 38 points, 17 rebounds, two blocks and a steal. Stellar play. Love to see that from him. Uh, you know, LeBron doing what he needed to in support, 18 points, 10 rebounds, six assists two blocks and a steal as well. So both of them uh, very active defensively. Um, Austin Reeves, 15 points. D'Angelo Russell and Jared Vanderbilt, each with 12 points as well. Uh, Russell with 10 assists too, and that rounds out your starting lineup. Dennis Schroeder with 11 points off the bench, and the Lakers get a very key win in Minnesota and the Timberwolves. Uh, in a you know, tougher situation than they'd like to be, that's a, a key win that they would like to have in this heated play in chase. And again, we'll have more to talk about with that. Certainly a little bit later on in the show, uh, but for now, let's jump to that third game. This is one of the two Saturday games that we'll talk about. Um, 
by that, I mean, there were only two games on Saturday. We're only going to talk about this one. Uh, the other game, we'll talk about its impact in a sense. We'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, the game we're talking about from Saturday is the New Orleans Pelicans winning at home against the L.A. Clippers. Uh, another play-in type matchup of importance. And Brandon Ingram in the last couple of weeks has been one of the best players in the league. Um, you know, and I don't think that's really an overstatement. Um very back and forth game, 18 lead changes, a lot of those coming in the third quarter. Uh, but the Pelicans able to lead the whole fourth quarter. They uh, you know, really stepped up at home, and that's a big win for them in their own play-in type of push. For the Clippers, uh, Kawhi Leonard led the way, 40 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, great game all around. Russell Westbrook, 24 points, 10 assists, 1 steal, and 1 block as well. Uh, Zubats 15 points, uh, Norman Powell, 12 points. And those were their double figure scores. Meanwhile, for the Pelicans, Brandon Ingram, we mentioned him 36 points, eight assists and four rebounds. That's been an impressive part of what Brandon Ingram has done in recent weeks. Of course, he's a great scorer. We know that. Um, and he can be an elite scorer when he's really locked in, but he's also been, you know, rebounding. We see that too at times, but the playmaking has really stood out in the last couple of weeks. So that's been great to see with them. Um, you know, 23 points, 12 rebounds for Jonas Valanciunas. He continues to be very, very stout at their starting center spot. 19 points each for Trey Murphy, the third and CJ McCollum, 12 points for Herbert Jones. Um, McCollum also had three steals. So nice defense there. Uh, and again, big win for the Pelicans at home. Uh, next, our fourth game, we're going to Sunday, uh, both Friday and Sunday had huge slates of games, uh, Saturday, only the two games, but on sat, uh, Sunday here, we're jumping to, uh, the Timberwolves again, uh, another loss this time they were hosting the Portland trailblazers and the trailblazers have a huge stunning is the word thrown around a lot with this game, uh, win on the road. And let me pull up the notification I got from ESPN about this one. Uh, the, the headline, historic NBA upset uh, trailblazers rally to pull off largest upset in 30 years after knocking off Timberwolves as 19.5 un- point uh, underdogs. Uh, and I assume that's a, a betting line. You know, it's I, I'm I'll be honest, I'm not ultra familiar with how the, uh, you know, points marks are for games like that. But um, yeah, if you look at the list they have. um the biggest upset was 92, the Magic beating the Bulls. That was a 21-point uh, spread. Um, and then this Blazers-Wolves game was, was tied with Maverick-Sonic. So it's a really a betting line thing that was an upset. Um, and I think the more important thing was, let me double-check this. No, it wasn't It wasn't a comeback victory. Um, I guess it was just a shocking victory in that aspect. Other than that, you know, I don't think that's a huge surprise. I mean, Minnesota should be the better team than Portland, but uh, those teams are, you know, semi-close uh, ranking-wise. It maybe has to do with the lineups. Um, you know, Trailblazers did not play. That's probably the big, the big thing. They didn't play Damian Lillard, Jeremy Grant, uh, Yusuf Nurkic, Anthony Simons, any of those guys. Uh, you know, they had Jaden Sharp, the rookie, um, but really playing their kind of you know, backups as starters and things of that nature. So, so I can see it from that angle. Uh, the Timberwolves had their starting lineup, their rotation was intact. So, so I guess that that's cool. And it's cool to see. Um, and again, a tough loss for Minnesota. Uh, those, those two losses against the Lakers and the trailblazers are devastating for their play in 
hopes um, and their positioning in that regard. I think they're still in okay position, excuse me, as far as being in the play in uh, tournament altogether. But um, yeah, in this game for the Timberwolves, uh, Anthony Edwards bounced back, had a great game, 37 points, six assists, five rebounds. Um, but otherwise there was not a wealth of scoring 13 points from Kyle Anderson off the bench. He was the second leading scorer for Minnesota, 11 points for Mike Conley, 10 points each for Jaden McDaniels and Rudy Gobert. Gobert also had 15 rebounds in this game. Um, so not bad, but then the trailblazers, they just had some guys step up and we mentioned Jaden sharp, 27 points, six assists and six rebounds. I prefer to say that's his best game of his young NBA career. Uh, you know, a guy with a lot of hops, but also showing you he has playing ability, not just athleticism. So that's great to see. Um, 19 points off the bench for Kevin Knox, you know, the uh, former lottery pick who's bounced around a little bit, uh, showing he can certainly play coming off the bench there. 15 points for Trendon Watford, uh, 13 points for Skylar Mays. Uh, the recent signing, he was signed just within the you know couple of days before this game. And 12 points for Drew Eubanks starting at center. So, yeah, just kind of an underdog win. Um, after I looked at the lineups, that makes a lot of sense as far as why that was a betting, uh, big upset in the betting column. Um, so, yeah, cool. Cool game to note. Uh, let's go ahead and shift to that last game. Uh, the uh, Dallas Mavericks losing at home in overtime. Or No, sorry. Losing on the road in overtime against the Atlanta Hawks, 132 to 130. Uh, first of all, credit to the Hawks. Great win. You know, they're a team in this jumble of teams for the play in positioning. Uh, they get kind of lost in the shuffle because they're one of the few teams in the Eastern Conference. You know, there's a small version of the, you know, race for the play in in that conference. Um, and they're a part of that picture. But uh, yeah, big win for them. Overtime victory. You know, it was a hard fought game. And, you know, could have been a tough loss for the Hawks. They led by as many as 15 points in the third quarter, um, but they, you know, pushed through. They were able to come out on top in the very end. Um, but for the Mavericks, that'll be the big storyline. We'll first go through the uh, the box scores for both teams. Uh, Kyrie Irving, big scoring game, 41 points, five rebounds, four assists, two steals and a block, doing a bit of everything. Uh, and similar to Luka, 22 points, seven rebounds, seven assists, and one block. So of course we know those two are going to lead the charge. Uh, Christian Wood, great game off the bench, 18 points, 11 rebounds, um, three assists and a block. So very solid 13 points for Josh green, 11 points for JaVale McGee. Um, and those were their double figure scores. Meanwhile, for the Hawks, very well balanced seven players with 10 or more points being led by DeJounte Murray and Trey young. They combined for 49 points. DeJounte Murray with 25 of those 49, Trey Young the other 24. Uh, Young also had 12 assists, DeJounte Murray with seven rebounds. Each of them had a steal. Uh, and then John Collins, 18 points, 10 rebounds, one of his you know a little bit better games uh, in this rough season for him. 14 points each for both Clint Capella and Onyeka Okungwu, the two centers. Capella also with 11 rebounds in this game. Uh, 16 points off the bench for Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, and 13 points for Sadiq Bey. So again, a little bit more balanced and the Hawks able to come out on top. Um, and again, you know, this game's important, important for the Hawks, certainly in their own positioning, but for the Mavericks, they had a terrible week and we'll, you know, focus on that a little bit more with our power rankings. Um, but the slump they've had in the last couple of weeks is going to be a huge storyline this last week of the season. Of course, this, 
you know, Sunday will be the last day of NBA games for this regular season. So Mavericks are going to be huge to pay attention to. Um, very soon they could be finding themselves on the brink of elimination, you know, not being in the postseason at all. So that's really a huge storyline with this game. Credit to Atlanta uh, getting a big win there. Those are our five games, but the first item for our six-man segment, we're doing it again. Uh, we couldn't leave this game out. We're going to do six games technically today. Um, and that was the Milwaukee Bucks winning at home against the Philadelphia 76ers in the battle of MVP hopefuls, Giannis Antetokounmpo versus Joel Embiid. Uh, Antetokounmpo seemingly coming out on top in this game. Um, Bucks winning 117 to 104 in this game at home in Milwaukee. Uh, Bucks never trailed in this game. They led by as much as 22. Big win for them overall. Uh, if we check out the box score for the Sixers, uh, Joel Embiid. Solid 28 points, nine rebounds, five assists. Um, not great percentages, but still an okay game. Um, you know, great by anyone else's standards, but just okay for him. 29 points for Tyrese Maxey. He actually led the Sixers in scoring. Uh, he also had four rebounds and two assists. James Harden, only 11 points, but he grabbed six assists. Um, 10 rebounds off the bench for Paul Reed, 10 points off the bench for Daniel House. Meanwhile, for the Bucks. Um, Big game for Giannis, 33 points, 14 rebounds, six assists. He also picked up three blocks and a steal. And despite missing his only three-point attempt of the game, he had great percentages, uh, great field goal percentage. Free throw percentage still a bit of a struggle, but that's you know sort of to be expected at this point. 21 points for Brooke Lopez, his uh, front court mate. 19 for Chris Middleton with nine assists. 18 points, three assists, and four steals for Drew Holiday. 18 points as well coming off the bench for Bobby Portis. So nice little all-round game. Uh, some you know few contributors in that win for Milwaukee. Uh, you know, and I saw some comments online, people saying that this win by Giannis, win by the Bucks, Joel's performance against Giannis, the Sixers' performance, whatever, you know, any and all combinations of those kind of things. People claiming that this sealed the MVP fate for Joel Embiid, that he's not going to win the MVP. You know, I think that's a pretty big um, overreach in a sense. You know, I think these head on head to head matchups with MVP hopefuls, they have value. Um, and I won't deny this being, you know, a bit of an impact in the negative for Joel Embiid as far as, you know, losing a game like this to, um, to Giannis and the Bucks. Um, but, you know, we can provide some uh, some excuses or uh, reasons, depending on the uh, viewpoint, however you want to receive it. Either it's, oh, we're going to give some excuses so that Embiid doesn't shoulder the blame, or we're going to give some legitimate reasons why it's not all Joel Embiid's fault. However you want to look at it, that's your prerogative. But, you know, we look at the box score. Um, Maxi had a great game, but Harden was off. Tobias Harris, not a big point scorer in this game either. Um, and, you know, usually those two guys are going to be bigger contributors. If they had their normal games, this is going to be a much closer game. It's not a runaway victory, at least. And it might have even been a Philadelphia win if the cards fall the right way. So, you know, I think that's a fair point. We should bring that up. But also, you know, recognize we mentioned it, not great percentages overall. I mean, Joel Embiid was below 50% from the floor, one of seven from three-point range. Um still racked up those 28 points. So he was productive, but was still an off night, you know, and compared to Giannis, 
it was a, a bit of a lesser game. So so we can be fair about that. But again, to state that this has sealed his fate as not winning the MVP this season, um, you know, I think that's just disingenuous, you know, and it seems a little bit um a little bit much, you know, if you ask me. But you know, I think Joel Embiid, he's right there in the scoring title chase. He's been phenomenal all season. The Sixers are still one of the top teams in the league, um, regardless of conference. So he's still in that mix. So too is Giannis. So is Jokic, um, Tatum. You know, those guys are all still pretty much where they are, you know. But this game has some impact. So again, credit to Milwaukee. Great win. You know, Giannis coming out out on top in this matchup and a great win for them. So again, we had to talk about that game um, before we get into our true six men segment. Again, these are our bonus, uh, you know, stats and facts from the other games that we didn't have a chance to talk about. Uh, firstly, on Friday, the Toronto Raptors, uh, Scotty Barnes, the sophomore had a great game. Let me go ahead and pull that box score up again. So I remember exactly what that stat line was. Uh, yeah. He had a near triple double. First of all, he had 29 points, nine rebounds and eight assists, but he also had four steals and a block. Um, and he did that without any three point makes showing the versatility. He fits that mold of what Toronto's kind of curated, curated over the last uh, year or two, these big, long, versatile guard forward, defensive type guys. Um, to me, it's interesting that they have so many of those kind of archetype of player, but yeah, great game. Um, it wasn't a loss in Philadelphia against the Sixers. Uh, again, this was just before that Bucks game. This was on Friday. But yeah, wanted to give him credit for that game he had against that Sixers team. On Friday, also, Mikhail Bridges dropped 42 points uh, in their win at home versus the Atlanta Hawks. So uh, kudos to him. Uh, our last note from Friday, Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., both of the Houston Rockets, combined for 66 points in their win at home versus the Detroit Pistons. So, again, shout out to them. Great performance. Um, on Saturday, the other game we didn't talk about, that was a Mavericks loss. So, again, that factors into the conversation we'll have a little bit later with our power rankings especially. Um, Luka did have 42 points in that loss. He also, if I remember correctly, had 10 rebounds and 8 assists. So he had a great game, you know, similar to what Kyrie had in their loss on Sunday. Um, but, you know, again, tough circumstance losing with that type of game. Uh, finally, we have a few, uh, we have a bevy of notes from Sunday. Firstly, for the Raptors again, Sunday, Fred Van Vliet racked up 20 points and 20 assists in their win in Charlotte against the Hornets. Um, shout out to him, I believe. That set a franchise record for assists in a game for the Toronto Raptors franchise. So congratulations. Great game. 20 and 20 of any stat is phenomenal, you know. And so, yeah, Fred Van Vliet, we forget sometimes that he's one of the better guards in, you know, the East, certainly, maybe even the, the whole NBA. Um, he's He gives, goes under the radar because the Raptors haven't been that stellar this season, but he has been an all-star in the past. So definitely want to recognize that. Um, on Sunday, the Chicago Bulls, well, we didn't have a chance to talk about this game, but the Chicago Bulls made a 23 point comeback versus the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, this was in Chicago, you know, huge comeback, real credit to him. And it was against a great game from John Morant. He had a triple double in that game. So, you know, kudos to Chicago being able to pull that off. Uh, shame. We didn't have time to talk about that game in detail, but you know, a great comeback nonetheless. Also on Sunday, the San Antonio Spurs won, um, 
in Sacramento against the Kings in overtime. Huge game for them. Again, Trey Jones of the Spurs uh, racked up a triple-double, so it was in their favor. Big, oh, excuse me, big win for San Antonio. Um, not ultra-consequential for Sacramento. They're still in good positioning in the West, um, but a big morale kind of thing for the Spurs with the tough season that they've had, especially with the young talent going forward. You're trying to develop something, trying to build something new in San Antonio. Um, some of those things can be kind of under under the radar as far as their importance for you know young players. So that's a big win for them. Uh, finally, we have a couple of 40-point scores. Firstly, on Sunday, uh, Anthony Davis did have 40 points in their win, uh, the Lakers win in Houston against the Rockets in a game that LeBron James also got a triple-double. So those two had some uh, great games in that one. And then also on Sunday, Donovan Mitchell racked up 40 points in their win at home versus the Indiana Pacers. Um, again, I believe he's had three straight 40-point games, but two of those three games have been losses. Um, so that's a little bit tough to, you know, have those type of games and and lose more than win uh, across those three, but still great performance from him all around in that one. And with that, that takes care of our six men and our, you know, general game summary type information from this last weekend of action. Uh, again, we had a lot to talk about, you know, we've got through that. Now let's go and jump to our key news. Um, and uh, with an extra day, you know, Monday's news counted in and uh, along with, you know, the early part of Tuesday here, we've got a lot of news to cover um, since our last, you know, normal show on Friday. Firstly, the biggest thing, to be honest, the NBA and the uh, NBA's Players Association have tentatively agreed to terms on a new CBA. Um, And that's huge news. That's awesome news, positive news for us to hear about. Um, You know, I mentioned very briefly in a different episode how important the CBA is um, as far as, you know, if they're not able to work out any issues on that front, then it can lead to work stoppage. It can lead to uh, shortened seasons, teams not playing, you know, and with us just barely getting back into a normal groove of the, you know, standard 82 game regular season start in mid October and in early April. Um, We've just barely gotten back to that since the, you know, COVID craziness. If we were to stop again, it would be, you know, I think a a big loss for everyone. So it's awesome that they've got a new CBA. Uh, I'm going to comb through uh, Adrian Wojnarowski's ESPN uh, from, he's, you know, ESPN reporter, his Twitter page to see if I can uh, rein in all of the things that have come out. Again, this isn't ultra official, but this is pretty, you know, 95% official as far as what the terms are that will help define this new CBA. Again, if you're not familiar uh, CBA stands for collective bargaining agreement. And a lot of it has to do with how um, league and team revenue is distributed. Um, you know, the money that certain teams make from ticket sales, uh, franchise, uh, um, excuse me, merchandising, um, things of that nature. Um, TV contracts are a big part of the CBA. You know, those are distributed Um there's revenue sharing. So a lot, there's a lot more equality compared to past years, as far as small market teams getting a share compared more comparable to large market teams. Um, And there's a lot of details, but essentially a lot of it comes down to, you know, the structure of the league itself um, and where 
players' interests and league interests meet in the middle and finding a right balance between those two things. Um, so coming through this, you know, I've seen some of these already. Um, so there's a lot of new things as far as, um, let's see, team payrolls, luxury tax, things like that. Uh, here's one. A new CBA, high spending teams above a second apron of luxury tax aren't allowed to send cash and deals, trade first round picks seven years away or sign players in the buyout market. So that's one of the big things. Um, there's going to be a second layer to the luxury tax. My layman's understanding of the luxury tax as it exists is uh, you have a certain amount of spending. And once you, exp- uh, you know, on a team standpoint, as far as player contracts, and once you go up past a certain point, then, you know, ownership groups have to pay that a little bit more out of pocket um, to those players. Again, I might be kind of way off with this, but the this new proposed second level of luxury tax would now hinder those teams' abilities to build their teams the same way as teams who have, you know, more free um, contract space and better overall contract situations as far as their teams are concerned. So, um, yeah, ESPN, let's see, ESPN also reported those second apron teams, which would be 17.5 million above the tax level, will not have use of the taxpayer mid-level exception. Um, there's been an average of three teams in that range in recent years. Um, one example that comes to mind, if you think of the 2019 offseason, and again, I, I think I'm correct in this, 2019 offseason, uh, sorry, 2018 offseason, the 2019 season. Um, in 2018's offseason, the Golden State Warriors were able to sign DeMarcus Cousins and people wondered how could they do that they've already got Durant on their payroll they've got you know the beginnings of those supermax contracts and it was this mid-level exception that allowed them to be able to do that kind of a decent contract for a player like that Um, so it sounds like play teams that are in that ultra high payroll and you know big contracts big star players will be less you know able to be able to take advantage of some of these types of things. Um, again, hopefully I'm getting this all correct. Um, CBA focuses largely on increasing opportunities for the vast majority of teams. Um, so there's things, you know, it sounds like these things are so far from what we've talked about are curbed against teams that have high payrolls, but, and, and, you know, big market teams, but generally the CBA is, in the interest of all teams trying to make sure it's just a level playing field. Um, you know, teams are competitive league round. Um, there's some, apparently there'll be new spending and trade opportunities for teams in the middle and lower spectrum of payrolls, um, potentially new, larger trade exceptions, uh, new and expanded exceptions to the salary cap. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, in the new CBA, luxury tax brackets will increase at the same rate as cap does. Um, since the current luxury tax system was implemented in the 2011 CBA, the brackets uh, had been fixed at $5 million increments. Uh, now they'll grow as the cap does. That's another thing. That's a quote uh, from Tim bon- Bontemps. Uh, he's also of uh, an ESPN writer. Um, let's see they they've eliminated restrictions uh limiting a team to two designated supermax players 
Um, so now I guess you could have three or more. Again, I don't know how that would work as far as that'd be huge payroll, but I guess that's an option. Um, for the first time, team and league licensing revenue will be added into basketball-related income. So I guess that just goes into how those different revenues are shared. Um, improved leverage for restricted free agents, um, 10% increase in qualifying offers, and the matching period has been short, shortened from 48 hours to 24 hours, so two, from two days to one day. Um, and that's the big stuff from what... Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski in specific posted, but I think there was some other big items. Let me go ahead and see if I can pull those up on um, ESPN's main website here. Uh, maybe not, but again, there's a lot of different things. Uh, if you're curious to see all of the exact details, really get into the nitty gritty of um, this new CBA. Um, that information is you know, fully out there, fully available. It's really interesting to to look into and see what that's going to look like. Um, let me see if I can just find. There was a couple things that I remember standing out to me, um, but I don't remember exactly what those were. Uh, cap and luxury tax. Let's see. This one I'm finding now comes specifically from CBS, uh, their sports page. Uh, free agency, contract c- extensions. Um Here's an interesting one. Um, so this is a quote from their the CBS article about it. This is under the page the heading contract ex- extensions. Uh, you can finally relax, Celtics fans. The new CBA introduced a change that may one day be known as the quote Jalen Brown rule. Uh, un- end quote. Under the old collective bargaining agreement, most veterans could only sign extensions that increased their salary by twenty percent in the first season of that new deal. This unfairly punished teams for signing players to contracts that were below market value, and Brown was the highest profile example. That 20% limitation prevented the Celtics from extending Brown at his maximum salary. As Brown is obviously a max caliber player, this restriction would have virtually guaranteed that Brown would become an unrestricted free agent in 2024. Their only hope of extending him early would have been Brown earning all NBA honors and therefore qualifying for a supermax. Um... Now that 20% figure has been increased to 40%. So it looks like they've maybe rectified a past issue um, with some of those types of things. Oh, here's the other big thing. This is maybe the biggest note. Um, I feel silly that I kind of forgot about it. Um, But apparently they've tied the NBA and the Players Association have agreed to tie um, a minimum game requirement to pretty much all major awards. We're talking, you know, MVPs, defense player of the years, all NBA, things like that. Um, players must play in at least 65 games to be eligible for those individual, excuse me, individual awards. Uh, of course, a part of those ongoing conversations about how to um, discourage load man- management, get players more consistently playing games again, um, things like that. So that that's maybe the biggest note from this whole thing. Um and one of the big things that didn't happen that people had talked about happening for a long time, uh, the NBA did not change the minimum age requirement for the draft. Players still need to be one year removed from their, you know, uh, senior year of high school, their 18th um, 
birthday, whatever the exact wording is. Um, so that's still in place. If you're coming out of high school, you've still got to do, you know, college ball, international ball, um, G League Ignite, one of those options for one year at least before entering the uh, NBA draft. So that's a big thing that did not change. That is the same. One other thing, uh, apparently it looks like that in-season tournament that Commissioner Adam Silver has talked about wanting to bring to the NBA. Um, that apparently is going to be uh, joining the NBA's schedule. Uh, there's not a lot of specifics. Uh, apparently, uh, there's some you know monetary type rewards for players uh, and coaches and teams that win that in-season tournament. It would be something you know, maybe around December, January type time. And I, I, I just don't, I, it confuses me. I don't know exactly what this tournament would be. Apparently it's somehow worked into the normal uh, schedule, the 82 game schedule for the most part. And so that'll be interesting. I guess we'll get more updates on it in the future, but for now I find it weird, but maybe that's just me, but overall that's a lot of the big items. I guess we kind of spent a little bit more time on that than I thought we would, but it's an interesting thing. Again, if you want to get all the details, they're available online. I'm sure it'll become a little bit more official, more, um, you know, able to see those things in uh, the coming weeks, but that's a lot of the new CBA stuff. So that's the first item. Next, let's talk uh playoff picture. Of course, this is going to be a big conversation. It's already been a big conversation the last few weeks. It continues to be a big conversation. I firstly wanted to share the updates that came on Sunday night. Um, so two nights ago, we had, you know, for a while it was a slow trickle. Oh, this team finally, you know, this was the first team to finally officially clinch a spot, but we already knew they were going to be in the playoffs. And then a couple days later, oh, here's another team. We knew they'd be in the playoffs. They clinched a spot. Sunday, we got a bunch of you know, play in scenario updates. There were, um, let's see, one, two, three, four, uh, eight teams. It looks like that were at the, that had the chance to be either clinching a playoff spot, clinching a division title, um, lock in a playoff spot or be eliminated from the play postseason entirely, depending on that night's games you know, and how those shook out. So there was a lot of that, you know, that was finally coming to fruition. And let's go ahead and look at the playoff picture right now, as it stands, um, you know, mid afternoon here on Tuesday, this is what we're looking at for the playoff picture. Uh, the bucks, of course, had already clinched the playoffs, but they've clinched their division, their central division champions. Congratulations to them. Along with them, the Celtics, the Sixers, and the Cavs, they'd already clinched the playoffs. The Knicks have now clinched the playoffs as well. Uh, so congratulations to them. So those five teams officially in the playoffs, Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, Cavs, Knicks. And again, this first part, this is Eastern Conference. The Toronto Raptors have officially clinched a play-in spot. That's kind of odd. Amidst all of this, they have a little PI. They've clinched a play-in tournament spot. So congratulations to them. In the bottom tier of the conference, the Pistons, the Hornets, we knew that they had been eliminated from the playoffs, but now the Indiana Pacers and the Washington Wizards, they have been officially eliminated from the play-in and the playoff tournament. The Magic, interestingly enough, have the same record as the Wizards, so it's very likely within the next couple of days that they could be eliminated as well. 
if the Magic are eliminated, that would seal your 10 postseason teams, both play-in and playoff. That would mean the Chicago Bulls, the Atlanta Hawks, and the Miami Heat would be likely in the play-in tournament. Heat have a chance to move into the playoffs and switch spots with the Brooklyn Nets. Right now, the Brooklyn Nets would be in the playoffs. But that is your Eastern Conference picture. So again, um, a lot of those things are determined now. Uh, 10 of those 15 teams have their fates determined. Wizards, Pacers, Hornets, Pistons, they've been eliminated. They are not in the postseason at all. Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, Cavs, and Knicks, they've clinched the playoffs. And the Toronto Raptors have clinched a play-in tournament spot. So now those other five teams, the Magic, the Bulls, the Hawks, the Heat, and the Nets, are all vying for their own playoff, play-in, postseason positioning here in the final week over these next you know four or five, four or five days. In the West, of course, things get a lot more interesting. We've noted the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, and the Kings have already clinched playoff spots. No new updates on that front. The Nuggets have clinched the Northwest Division. The Grizzlies have clinched the Southwest Division. The Kings have not quite yet clinched a Pacific Division title, but they have a good chance of doing that. They have a good lead over the Suns, the Clippers, and the Warriors, and the Lakers. Interestingly enough, all of the Pacific Division teams are currently 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th at this moment that I'm looking at the list. So that's wild. Um, But yeah, the Kings have a good chance of clinching the Pacific Division. Regardless, Denver Nuggets, Memphis Grizzlies, Sacramento Kings, they've all clinched playoffs. The Houston Rockets and the San Antonio Spurs, we'd already known, had been eliminated from playoff contention entirely, including the play-in tournament. The Trailblazers, Portland Trailblazers, have now been eliminated as well. So those three teams, Trailblazers, Spurs, and Rockets, are eliminated from the postseason entirely. And that still leaves... um, nine teams that have no locked in positioning as far as, you know, being out of the postseason picture, being in the playoffs, being in the play in tournament, the Utah jazz are the lowest ranked of those teams. They're 36 and 42. They're 16 games back of number one Denver. And then Phoenix is the highest ranked of those teams, 43 and 35. They're nine games back of Denver. So Phoenix and Utah are separated by seven games. There's starting to be a bit more separation there, but it's still a pretty heated mix. You know, there's going to be a lot of intrigue going forward with this week. So um, keep an eye on those teams. Again, only six teams of the 15 in the West have their fates determined. The other nine are still going to be volleying this, these last few days for that, for sure. Um, postseason positioning. So that's the picture at the moment. Um, as far as latest clinching scenarios, here's what things are looking like. Um, let me refresh this page so we get for sure the most up-to-date information. Um, firstly, in the Eastern Conference, Atlanta can lock in a play-in tournament appearance with a loss or a Brooklyn win or a Toronto loss. Interesting. I guess if they string some wins together, they have a small outside chance of making the playoffs. But uh, Boston can clinch the Atlantic Division title tonight with a win. Brooklyn will clinch a playoff, can clinch a playoff spot with a win and a Miami loss. 
Uh, Chicago can lock in a play-in game with a win or an Orlando loss. Uh, Miami can clinch the Southeast Division title with a win and an Atlanta loss. Miami is locked into a play-in game with a loss and a Brooklyn win. Orlando is eliminated with a loss or a Chicago win. So, again, a lot of specifics. Basically, the takeaway is if Orlando doesn't get a miracle, they're out. Um, Brooklyn has a good chance of locking in playoffs and forcing Miami to the play-in, and then some teams vying for division titles. That's the East picture. The West, surprisingly, is a little bit less hectic because, again, this is going to come more down to the wire. Um, Denver can clinch the number one spot in the West with a win or a Memphis loss. Phoenix clinches a playoff spot with a win or a Golden State loss. Sacramento clinches the, the Pacific Division title with a win or a Phoenix loss. Utah could be eliminated tonight with a loss, an Oklahoma City win, and a Minnesota win. So that one needs a lot to happen, but there's a good chance that happens regardless within the next couple of days. So um, again, Sacramento looking for a division title, Phoenix trying to get that playoffs locked in for sure. Denver could be the number one seed. They're trying to lock that in as well. So we're in this really exciting time. There's a lot of things, a lot of moving parts. And so tonight and the coming nights are going to be really exciting to watch. So that's the latest update on the playoff picture. Let's jump to some news that'll take a little bit less time. Uh, Firstly, for the Golden State Warriors, Andrew Wiggins is nearing a return to the team, and that could be later this same week. That's big news. He's been away from the team for a long time, uh, dealing with uh, some personal issues. Uh, We don't, again, we're not privy to the details. We don't need to be privy to the details. Um, But for the Warriors, that'll be great to have him back in the lineup, especially as they gear up for their postseason. For the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Thanasis Antetokounmpo, the the older brother of Giannis Antetokounmpo, he was suspended one game without pay for headbutting forward Blake Griffin of the Boston Celtics in Milwaukee's Thursday loss at home versus the Celtics. Um, kind of a funny clip. It's not really a big headbutt. It's one of those John Starks type, you know, nudges his head. There was some, you know, back and forth talk. Um, it was a tough loss for Milwaukee. So. Um, yeah, something worth noting, I guess. For the Timberwolves, Rudy Gobert and head coach Chris Finch have both been fined for criticizing the officials following their loss Wednesday in Phoenix against the Suns. Gobert was fined $25,000 and Finch was fined $15,000. Uh, so that's notable. I do remember, I think it was Gobert saying something along the lines of the NBA, quote unquote, fixing games for teams like the Suns and Lakers and you know like big market teams with big stars um so you know you get those every once in a while but um yeah he's been fine for that uh for the Utah Jazz uh rookie center Walker Kessler suffered a concussion in Sunday's loss in Brooklyn against the Nets uh, so that's some bad news it's it could be certainly a, a worse injury it should hopefully not take him out uh super long of course the season's about to end regardless um but you know uh definitely some tough news either way for the Washington Wizards, uh, forward Denny Avdia will miss at least the next two games with left elbow bursitis. Uh, so that'll, that'll be tough for them, uh, for the Wizards and for Avdia uh, individually. 
for both those players, Walker Kessler and Denny Avia, we want to wish them the best as they work to recover from those injuries. Again, hopefully they should be pretty short-term recoveries, um, but you, I suppose, never know. But again, wishing them the best. Uh, news for the Miami Heat. Miami-Dade Arena, of course, formerly known as FTX Arena. Miami-Dade Arena will officially be renamed the Cassia Center. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I believe it's a relatively new and or smaller company. Um, but there's a 17-year uh, naming rights deal in place or contract with uh, between the Miami Heat and Cassia, the arena itself. Uh, so that will be the new name uh, going forward, probably starting next season. So that's uh, some cool news, I suppose. Uh, next, some transactions, all of which come from the Portland Trailblazers. They firstly waived guard Ryan Archidiakono, who was on a standard contract. They then signed guard Jonathan Williams to a standard contract to fill that spot. And then they've signed forward uh, Justin Minea, hoping I'm pronouncing that right, to a 10-day contract. Um, the Trailblazers might be a little bit overloaded. They've had a bunch of 10-day contracts they've given out in recent, uh, recent days. Some of those might have expired at this point, but... Um, with it being towards the end of the season, he, uh, Minea might be on the team for, you know, the rest of the regular season. Um, but anyways, that's uh transactions they've done there. Um, some NBA general type news, former NBA player, Darius miles has pled not guilty to a capital murder charge in connection with, uh, January shooting. This has been a little bit of an ongoing undercurrent type story. He, of course, uh, it's involved him. It's involved um, one of Alabama's star players from this past season, Brandon Miller. He was some at some points uh, tied to this particular investigation, particular story. Um, I believe he's been kind of, um, I guess, exonerated. Hopefully I'm using that word correctly, but um, you know, he's been kind of righted of any, thought of wrongdoing in that particular situation. Again, I don't really know a lot of the specifics. Um, it's a shame to see these kind of stories with any former player, you know, especially a guy like Darius miles. I like him as a player, you know, he was a cool, um, I liked his card in two K, I guess, you know, you playing the, my team modes, he was a good dunker in that game mode, but, uh, you know, he's a decent NBA player and, uh, to see this kind of stuff going on, um, it's just not great to see. So again, I guess just an update on that case in general. So uh, finally, some you know general NBA news. Um, the finalists have been announced. Have been announced. Excuse me, for NBA's Joe Dumars Sportsmanship Award. Uh, so that's some positive news to hear about. Let me see if I can go ahead and pull up those finalists for you. Yeah, here we go. There's six players, one from each uh, division, and they are. Bam Adebayo of the Miami Heat. That's your Southeast division. Harrison Barnes of the Sacramento Kings. That's the Pacific division. Jalen Brunson of the New York Knicks. That's the Atlantic division. Uh, Mike Conley. Mike Conley Jr. of the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's your Northwest division. Darius Garland of the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's Central division. And finally, Boban Marjanovic of the Houston Rockets. That's your Southwest division. Um, Last year's winner was Patty Mills of the Brooklyn Nets. And those are your six finalists for the award for this season. So that's some positive news. And finally, uh, the NBA announced the players of the week for this past week. And they are Mikhail Bridges, 
of the Brooklyn Nets and Anthony Davis of the Los Angeles Lakers. So congratulations to both of them. They will certainly be a part of the conversation for our weekly MVP uh, once we get to that in a few minutes. Firstly, let's go ahead and jump into our game previews. Uh, Let me grab a drink first so my voice will carry through. All right. So again, all the times I'll give for these games are in Eastern Standard Time, so take that into consideration as you're planning your schedule and which games you want to check out. Uh, So this will be Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday's games. Firstly, on Wednesday, we have eight games total and an ESPN doubleheader. At 7.30, the Milwaukee Bucks play host to the Chicago Bulls. Great Central Division matchup. And then at 10 o'clock, the LA Clippers host their uh, crosstown rivals, the Los Angeles Lakers, who both play at the same building currently. In the near future, that'll be different. Of course, the Clippers building their own arena. Um, Lakers-Clippers, always a great matchup, but especially with those two teams vying for postseason positioning, and they're only separated by a half a game, that should be an extra great matchup to watch out for. Um, And Bulls-Bucks should be pretty interesting too, although, again, not as... um, high stakes as that uh, L.A. matchup, Lakers and Clippers. Two other games to consider, both of these on league pass. Firstly, at 8 o'clock, the New Orleans Pelicans will host the Memphis Grizzlies. And then at 8.30, the Dallas Mavericks will host the Sacramento Kings. Um, Kings Mavericks in particular, you know, the Mavericks with their recent struggles, if the Kings get that win and further the Mavericks' struggles, that's going to be the big talking point on tomorrow's show. And we'll talk about it even more a little bit later, but um, certainly something to watch out for. Then on Thursday, we have five games total um, with two of those being a TNT double header seven 30. The Philadelphia 76ers will host the Miami heat. And then at 10 o'clock, the Phoenix suns will host the Denver nuggets. Uh, oh, excuse me. Of course, Sixers heat. They had a great, playoff series uh, about three or four years ago. Um, There's a bit of, you know, rivalry there, you know, Jimmy Butler, the former Sixer and former teammate of Joel Embiid, um, both teams vying for their own postseason positioning. So that's interesting. And then Suns Nuggets, they had that great playoff series just, you know, a couple of years ago. And uh, similarly teams vying for positioning in the West. So both teams, uh, both games should be interesting. One more game to consider, League Pass at 9 o'clock. We'll see the uh, Utah Jazz uh, hosting the Oklahoma City Thunder. That one could see the Utah Jazz being eliminated or already having been eliminated from the postseason entirely. Um, Thunder, meanwhile, looking to strengthen their positioning in that Western Conference. Then on Friday, we have 11 games total, two of those being a NBA TV doubleheader. At 8 o'clock, the Milwaukee Bucks will host the Memphis Grizzlies. And then at 10.30, the Los Angeles Lakers will host the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Grizzlies-Bucks, Morant versus Giannis should be a great one. And then that Suns-Lakers matchup, Lakers looking to push, and that will be and the Suns you know, trying to hold their position. But also, a very good chance that this is the first matchup in four or five years between LeBron James and Kevin Durant. And that feels weird to talk about, but yeah, those two have not played against each other in a game in a long time. So that's something interesting to watch out for. Then one other game to consider league pass at 10 o'clock, a little bit later, the Sacramento Kings host the golden state warriors. Again, Western conference positioning Kings, the better team this season than the warriors, but will the warriors show what they have in store for their 
postseason hopes. That's something to watch out for as well. So again, a lot of great games. Um, if I had to pick one that I'm really interested in checking out, it would probably be, uh, well, of course, you know, Thunder Jazz, me as a jazz fan, I'm wanting to watch that. But also, um, you know, it was the last game we talked about, but Warriors Kings, I just like seeing what the Kings have done. That home court atmosphere, now they've clinched playoffs and have a clinch, excuse me, a chance to clinch the division. That should be a great one to watch for. So I'm excited about this whole week. It's going to be really exciting. And this weekend should be extra exciting as well. So those are your games going forward. Let's go ahead and jump into our power rankings. We're getting a little bit closer to the end of the show. Um, Admittedly, we've gone a bit longer than I anticipated, but um, there's a lot to talk about. So I think it's been, uh, you know, still valuable stuff to talk about. As we jump into our power rankings, um, I will say there's not a ton of big movement. You know, we've seen some teams starting to kind of solidify their position a bit more. Of course, we've had the same top eight or nine teams, generally speaking, for the last several weeks. You know, we've known for the most part that Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, Cavs a bit too. Those are your best teams in the East. We've known the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Kings in recent weeks as well. Those are your best teams in the West. Those have been kind of locked in. And especially in the Western Conference, there's been a big shuffle as far as who's next up. And we're seeing some solidifying. The Suns with Durant back are starting to lock themselves into that third or fourth spot in the Western Conference. Um, And teams in the East are starting to solidify their own positioning as well. So uh, as we talk about that, Bucks and Celtics, they remain one and two for me. Not really much you can argue there. They both had winning weeks again last week. Um, Nuggets and Sixers both went two and two. The Nuggets do have the better overall record. And I think that they've picked up their play a bit more in recent weeks, you know, the last two weeks compared to the Sixers. And so I give them the edge. They jump to three Sixers fall one spot to four. Those two teams are still very close though. And they have the two best centers in the NBA right now. Um, Closely followed by Damana Sabonis. Actually, he's been a under the radar MVP type candidate this season. Following those four teams, um, I did also move the Memphis Grizzlies above the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavaliers had a tough week. They went one and two. Um, the Grizzlies went two and two, but again, better overall record. They have a bit more momentum in recent weeks. So I make that switch. Uh, I made that switch rather in that spot. Uh, Kings at seven, Knicks at eight. Those two teams stayed the same. You could argue for the Knicks overtaking the Kings with the Knicks having gone 4-0 in the last week. But the Knicks also did go 0-3 the previous week, and they didn't move either. So um, kind of makes up for it. They stay in that eighth spot. I think that's fair. Phoenix Suns, they went 4-0. They move up to number nine, um, just ahead of the Brooklyn Nets, who stayed at number 10. And so that's your top 10. Nets went 3-0 last week. And again, it was easy to say after the trade, the Durant trade and the Kyrie Irving trade that they were going to fall. They really haven't done that. You know, they've stayed solid in that Eastern Conference. They should be a playoff team in the East. And uh, I think that they belong right there in that 10th spot. Miami Heat fall to 11, swapping places with the Suns. They had a bit of a poor week. And again, their inconsistency uh, makes it tough for me to really push hard for them to be in a top 10 spot. 
Outside of that, we start to get back into that play-in mix um, where teams like the Lakers, the Raptors, the Hawks, and the Bulls continue to improve their position. The Timberwolves and the Thunder fell hard, both of them one win and three losses in the last week. The Dallas Mavericks, one win, three losses as well. They fell just one spot because they fell a bunch last week. Last week, they went 0-4. And I guess we got to talk about the Mavericks. I already said a few times this episode that we would talk about them during the section and it's just it's just head scratching you know and even as someone you know at times on this show specifically but in general over the last few years uh, I've you know become a little bit disenchanted with Kyrie Irving and um, his impact on a team he's enchanting to watch as a player his ball handling ability his scoring ability he's generationally talented in that regard but what has happened with his teams you know and i i still feel bad putting trying to frame this and put the blame all on him because it is still a team game but you know when you make a trade for a guy mid-season and suddenly the team falls off it does sort of feel like it's that one guy whether that is accurate or not and it's just puzzling. You have maybe the most talented backcourt in all of the NBA, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. They did miss time with injury. We can give them that benefit of the doubt. But they've been, for the most part, playing these last couple of weeks. And to go a combined one and seven, it's just tough, you know. And I really kind of see them missing the playoffs and the postseason entirely this off season or this, this postseason, excuse me. And that's going to leave a big question mark on Dallas. It's going to be a big, you know, off season media storm. As far as that's going to be a big central focal point of what's going to happen in Dallas is Kyrie going to Kyrie Irving going to sign. What, what are they going to build the team around? What's going on with Luca? We're now starting to see people, you know, social media circles people are kind of bagging on Luca saying that he's not uh, all that we thought he was you know he's um empty stats or he's stat padding or or things like that you know and i think that's a bit unfair to luca and it's just an odd turn of events for a team that when they made that trade we thought this is going to be a great thing for them they've been inconsistent this season this is going to really elevate their team and help them lock in that postseason appearance. Now it's done just the opposite. And I'm not sure what else to say about it other than I'm confused. I think we'll have more time as you know, the Mavericks continue to see if they can make the postseason. We'll continue to talk about them and all the other teams in that mix in the coming days uh, on this show. But that's my big takeaway. It's just confusing, but um, that's kind of the, you know, play in type picture. Just outside the play-in, uh, the Wizards and the Magic, I moved them up. The Pacers and the Trailblazers, they fell. Um, you know, three of those four teams have already been eliminated anyways. The Magic could be eliminated tonight. Um, and then the bottom four stayed the same. Pistons and last, Rockets above them, then Spurs, then Hornets. Um, so that's my power rankings. Again, not a huge update, as you know, other than Suns and Nets solidifying their position in that top 10 group um, play in area is still just as hectic as it's been. And this last week is going to be very exciting. And the Mavericks are a question mark. 
and it's an odd situation. So that's my power rankings. Let's go ahead and jump into our weekly MVP conversation. Um, and again, I failed to mention this at the beginning of the show. Of course, we're without uh, Wyatt for this episode. Uh, simply, I didn't communicate well with him as far as doing this episode today and doing what we'd normally do on a Monday. Uh, he also has had a bit of a hectic schedule. And so, and similar to me, you know, I've had some busy uh, couple last days as well. So um, simply put, I thought it would be best to just kind of take care of this episode while I could, while I had some time uh, in my schedule and we're going to have Wyatt back on pretty soon, I imagine. So um, we're going to do our best without him to um, be, you know, the best we can with our weekly MVP. You know, we do that anyways, but um, you know, I, I have good faith that with our choice of MVP this week, whoever it ends up being, that Wyatt can look at that, look at the stats and say, you know, I think that's a fair pick. That's probably who I would have picked. Um, so I'll go ahead and give you our MVP candidates for this week. They are Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum, Mikhail, oh, excuse me, got the burps, Mikhail Bridges, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Stephen Curry, Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brunson, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, and Devin Booker. A lot of those players went undefeated in the last week, so that's a big advantage to them. Again, if you're new, with our weekly MVP, of course, we like to talk about players who had big statistical performances. They averaged a lot of points per game, a lot of rebounds, a lot of assists, defensive stats too, great percentages. But we're also looking for players that helped bring about winning. We don't mention players that had, you know, 500 records or losing records. We focus on players that had winning records in the week. They had good plus minuses. And, um, you know, again, we're a big part of winning for their team. And um, as far as this week, um, there's a couple of forwards here, power forwards that are standing out. Anthony Davis and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Davis led all these players in scoring. He averaged nearly 39 points a game. Um, Giannis, meanwhile, averaging about 32 points a game. Um, Both about 12 to 13 rebounds per game. Davis with about 12 rebounds. Giannis with about 13 rebounds. Giannis had more assists, uh, 6.7 assists. Anthony Davis with 1.7 assists, um, but he also had more turnovers. So assist to turnover ratio is probably pretty close for those two. Defensively, very similar to AD with two blocks and a steal per game. Giannis with about one and a half blocks and one steal per game. Giannis with more fouls as well. So I think those two traditional stat lines are very close, very comparable. Um, Good field goal percentages, the free th- free throw percentage, you know, AD was 80%. Giannis was about 63%. So there's a discrepancy there. And three-point percentage as well. AD was 33% from three. Giannis was 0%. And AD has a better plus minus. So, but Giannis did those. He put up his numbers in less minutes. Otherwise, you know, those two are the ones that are standing out for me this week. Tatum is close to, I mean, 35 points, nearly 36 points a game, about nine rebounds, about three assists, uh, about a steal a game, good percentages too. He's pretty close, but I think for this week, we probably want to go Giannis or Anthony Davis. And again, Mikhail Bridges had a great week too. He averaged about 33 points a game, uh, about six rebounds, four assists, uh, two, two turnovers, 1.3 steals, 0.3 blocks. And some pretty good percentages himself. 
you know, he's been on a tear. He's been phenomenal for Brooklyn, especially as a scorer. But again, I think standout wise on this list, it probably comes down to either Anthony Davis or Giannis Antetokounmpo. And um, it's close, you know. I think they're pretty evenly matched. Um, they've both done some great things. But I think I'm going to decide this a little bit quickly. And again, I think that Wyatt would agree with my pick here. We're going to go ahead and this guy is actually now a two-time winner. Um, we're going to give it to Anthony Davis of the Los Angeles Lakers. Again, he was a player of the week this week. Nearly 39 points, about 12 rebounds. Those two stats alone are very stellar, but the Lakers were 3-0. and They've been winning games when it really matters as far as their play-in and playoff hopes, their postseason aspirations. They're making a great push. LeBron has played a supporting role, which is something you look back two or three years ago. He talked about Anthony Davis being the star player and himself, LeBron, being the co-star and setting Anthony Davis up. And that's what's happened over these last couple of weeks. The Lakers have been winning. They've got a good supporting cast. And Anthony Davis has been a big part of that. There's the defensive numbers too. The percentages are great all around. He's been affecting winning. And for that, we're going to lock that in and go ahead and award Anthony Davis our week 24 MVP. Congratulations, Anthony. Uh, you're not too far away over there in Los Angeles. If you want to drop by your next road trip out and pick up your trophy, I believe you're playing in Utah within the next uh, few days, actually. So if you want to pick it up, we'd love to have you stop by. Uh, but that takes care of our weekly MVP. Um, to wrap things up, let's go ahead and do our This Day in History fact for you. Uh, we're going back to 1997, uh, not, not too far, actually closing in on about 25 years ago, which feels odd. But uh, April 4th of 1997, Utah's Carl Malone became the first NBA player to reach the 2,000-point plateau in 10 consecutive seasons in the Jazz's 106-79 victory against the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, Carl Malone, of course, underappreciated in my mind, though it's easy for me to say that as a Jazz fan. Underappreciated as a scorer, he's not third all-time for no reason. I mean, he was a great scorer and a great player, so... Plus, again, as a Jazz fan, any chance I can get to shout out the mailman um, is great and, uh, you know, great player. So that takes care of our This Day in History fact, and that takes care of our show. Again, a little bit longer of a show than I anticipated, but I think we had a great time all around. Um, That does kind of um, eliminate us having done our normal Monday programming for our Tuesday show. That does eliminate our Ward Chase conversation, but I think we'll shift that to tomorrow along with our normal Wednesday show as far as game summaries, latest news, and um, playoff picture conversations and weekly predictions. I think we can shift the award chase conversation over to that day as well without without you know overstuffing that day. Um, so again, we should hopefully have Justin on depending on uh, schedules. We'll see what happens. But again, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. If you want to check out our Instagram page, that's crossover across time all one word on instagram we share content from the show along with doing our best to share content from across the nba so it's a great place along with the show itself to stay up to date on what's going on in the nba as a whole um thanks again for listening and we'll be back with you on tomorrow's show 